This is Envision Self-Healing Podcast, episode number 19. Hi, I'm Will Fuller. And I'm Richard Miller. And we are the co-creators of EnvisionSelfHealing.com and are dedicated in helping you improve your eyesight and quality of life by taking healing into your own hands. The topic of the week this week is fitting your eye exercises into your busy life. And in the second half of the podcast, we're going to be answering a question that asks, how do I deal with floaters? So Richard, how's the world of self-healing been treating you this week? Well, it's been a it's been a good week. I've had to fit eye exercises into a busy life as usual. Uh, I had a family reunion this week, so I took the train with my brother actually, and we went up to my mother's house uh, nice. to, to meet a cousin from Texas actually that I had never met before. Uh, the interesting thing about this cousin is she has information on my father's side of the family. Ah. And, and so I was able to ask her lots of questions about the genetics of my uh, optic atrophy and who had it in the family, things like that. So and did they know the answers? She did. And she has uh, given me email to a cousin who knows another cousin and then that I can contact about uh, this condition. There, within my uh, uh, father's generation, he was the only one who had this condition. And then when within his father's uh, generation. There were uh, my grandfather and one uncle. And this uncle is the one I wanted to get a hold of to see how it played out in his uh, sort of family, the branch of his family tree. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So it's it's uh, another part of the investigation I want to do as to uh, <laughs> how this plays out in uh, people's children and how often it manifests things like that so yeah and i, I mean I, i've tried that before but i know I, I got as far as my grandmother and uh nobody knows not, not even uh she knew from from above who had really wow the rp above above that so uh it sort of sort of ends there really for us yeah yeah so i'm, I'm curious about this because i'm st well for me uh, I'm still questioning whether uh, the condition is a recessive genetic form or a dominant uh, dominant form of the disease. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm also curious about how it manifested later in life because it's something I need to know about as well. Uh, one of the things I discovered was this uncle, so my grandfather's brother, uh, was a professor of English. And he ended up having to retire because of what she called blindness. So um, gave me a little pause as to, you know, how this condition could manifest later in life. Unfortunately, my grandfather died when he was 72, and my father died when he was 37. So I don't have a lot of, uh, and neither, you know, neither of them progressed uh, to that level of blindness. Uh, right. But they didn't live that long. So uh, it does concern me, and it's something I want to be aware of. The other reality, though, is this uncle, uh, who was the English professor, obviously used his vision considerably in his work, mm -hmm. um, and maybe in some ways the lifestyle led to more of a degradation of his vision. So, and I want it, it could also have been an onset of macular degeneration or cataracts, or right. it could have been a secondary condition right. that might have led to that. Right. Well, and that was the other thing that happened this week. It was sort of well timed to come together. 
is I went to UC Berkeley to their optometry school because I wanted to get a special pair of glasses prescribed for driving. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, they funneled me into their general optometry clinic by mistake. Um, so I was not in the low vision clinic. I guess this is something that our, <laughs> yeah. our listeners well, may, get Maybe used. they didn't make a mistake. Maybe your vision's improved so much that they thought they should put you in the general instead of the low vision. Yeah, I don't know if that's really true. <laughs> would be you nice should have got they... it written on a, on a piece of paper. We could have used that as evidence. Yeah, well, <laughs> they really didn't. That's the problem is that people in the general optometry clinic really don't know how to deal with people with low vision that well. Um, yeah. So anyway, what they uh, one of the things they did, they were embarrassed that they had messed up basically so they gave they thought well they were partly doing this for their own benefit as well but they gave me a retinal photograph so they uh without even dialing in my eyes they put a camera into my pupil and took a photograph of my retina and showed me right there on the computer screen and one of the interesting things they pointed out was that my uh retina the optic disc essentially they were pointing out was somewhat fragile and susceptible to glaucoma because the, the, the rim around the optic disc is a little irregular and the blood vessels aren't as strong as someone with a normal optic nerve. So they did, again, kind of warn me about glaucoma. So mm -hmm. what you're saying about my, my great uncle, I guess he is, could be true in that maybe he got some further disease like glaucoma or macular degeneration and therefore, having a, a weak optic disc could have done him in, done, done his vision in. So, yeah, I mean that's certainly something that our our listeners don't tend to think about when we when we talk about improving eyesight. So, for example, retinitis pigmentosa. You know, even if you can't improve retinitis pigmentosa, we're looking at preventing things like cataracts and macular degeneration. And also helping overcome the secondary causes. You know, even even things like getting rid of your glasses so that you can help reduce strain on the eyes. It's all part of the general vision improvement. It's not just about the condition. Right. And for me then, so for me, it would be like improving my circulation to my head would improve my optic atrophy for sure, but it would mm -hmm. also help prevent things like glaucoma and macular degeneration that could pile onto my condition yeah. and really lead in a bad direction. So. I know certainly with my father, and I guess the reason why I say this is is he's had uh, both cataracts removed and he has macular degeneration in one of his eyes. So, you know, certainly even if, you know, even though I am improving the RP, say even if it's limited to where it is, at least I can help avoid things like macular degeneration. Right. So the vision that I do have or will have will at least you know, be good to where it is instead of being to the point where he is, which is legally blind because he has, you know, neither central vision or peripheral vision. Right, right. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good insight into what I need to be doing, uh, both in terms of learning about the family history and the, and the optometry appointment, which I thought was a complete bust. <laughs> but uh... but they, 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 didn't, um, they didn't sit you down in the, in the general office and test your eyes and go, I don't know how to tell you this, Mr. Miller, but uh, <laughs> your vision uh, is, is sort of not testing at the 2020 line. They really don't know. <laughs> well, one of the things you, if, with low vision that they don't get is that the uh, eye charts, they have a 2200 line and then they have a 2100 line. And there's a huge gap for, for those of us with lower vision between those two. 
And so they mm-hmm. don't really know what to do with people with vision that's above, let's say, 2100. <laughs> so anyway, and they all wear they... glasses, of course, and they're all very nice. Um, <laughs> and I did resist. You know, there was a point where they, I said, um, well, my vision does fluctuate. And he said, the optometrist, who was a very nice guy, said, oh, really? Why do you think that happens? Because I, <laughs> I think it confused him. It's like he, did, he didn't believe that vision could fluctuate. Did and you I, give him the web address? I did not. <laughs> I had to make the judgment there of like, oh, am I really wanting to go, go into down. this debate with this guy? Yeah. How so far I, down the rabbit hole do you really want to go? Exactly. Without knowing this guy. <laughs> So, um, and if I continued meeting with him, I might go there, but it didn't seem very fruitful. So I just said, well, it depends on how tired I am, which to him probably still was a bit controversial to say, because uh, they want to believe that your vision is set and it's the same. So they can prescribe glasses for you. So, yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. So that was a, a funny moment there for me. So. Well, it sounds like you've had... Uh... Quite high, had had quite the week this week. Yeah, I mean, and then I was then I was fitting in my exercises in between train rides and family visits, and uh, uh, so it was a good week. Otherwise, yeah, I, f- I find those those visits can be um, an exercise in itself is learning how to deal with the anxiety of being in the in the eye doctor and and dealing, you know, taking the information that they take you and being able to process it properly afterwards. Yeah, I th- well, I was sort of proud of myself because I was able to uh, talk at a peer level with this guy, with this optometrist. I think yeah. he, I don't think he quite gets clients or patients like me every day. I was talking about nystagmus and uh, you know this this genetic tree and that genetic tree, and 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 <laughs> we were really talking fast and furious, like almost like peers. So it was yeah, that's, it was that's, it was fun. That's definitely a reason why we. Um try and encourage people as much as possible to learn about their condition before they go right. uh, see their eye doctor because it really does make a difference. I know when I went in to see about my cataracts and I was asking her all about sort of the operation and the condition and why she thought maybe I had it at a younger age when they sort of believe it's age-related. And, um, and she really just sort of treated me as a peer instead of mm-hmm. you know telling me what needs to be done. And, and in the end, I said... You know, so what do you think about this operation? And obviously, I I wanted to avoid it as much as possible. And her response was, "Well, you seem like an intelligent guy, and you know what you're talking about. So just come back when you feel like you want to have the operation, and we do it then." Yeah, it's a so, way better place to be coming from as a, as a patient. So. Yeah, I mean, if if I had gone in there without any of the knowledge, and you know, it's also quite a scary thing. The whole, you know, and you get nervous and. And you know they see that it's troubling you, so they say, "Right, let's just uh, let's just operate. Let's get rid of this guy." Right, exactly. Yeah. So that certainly helps. But I think I um, I think I had quite the opposite of your week. My my week was very uneventful. We've been uh, working hard on uh, this new this new uh, audio product that we've got to have coming out in the next few weeks. We sort of uh, got a bit of a bit of a shock when we uh, those of you that have been listening will know for the last couple of months we've been working on a on a course to try and get out to you guys and we got a bit of feedback on that so we're now working on uh, adapting the product a little bit to uh to help you guys out as much as possible with your eye exercises so that's pretty much been my week working on those right yeah you've been doing a lot of computer work again yeah so uh but i did notice yesterday um spending quite a bit of time on the computer that 
towards the afternoon, I started feeling a little bit of eye strain. And my, I, my instinct and my knowledge was to tell me that I needed to palm. And I knew it needed to be a good 40-minute palming. Um, but instead, I decided to read more about the physiology of the eye. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as I was reading, I felt the strain. I knew I should be palming. Right, uh, right. Your brain I, versus your heart, I think, here. Right? Yeah. So it's sort of <laughs> ironic that I was, I was reading to try and figure out how to improve my eyesight. Oh, gosh. But not improving my eyesight at the same time. So yeah. uh, quite, quite the. That's the eye geek's the... dilemma, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I found that. But I woke up this morning. I, I did palm and I went to bed like 15, 20 minutes before I slept. And mm-hmm. I woke up this morning. My eyes were feeling a lot better from that. Uh, I've sort of noticed that I'm being able to pay a bit more attention in my periphery. I've. After the, the course in Brazil, I've started doing a bit more discovery work with my eye exercises. I noticed that they were starting to feel a little bit static and they needed some more movement. So one thing I've started to do is I've decided to teach myself how to juggle in my periphery. You're going to have to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, suppose, I suppose this makes sense to... Uh, how much time do we have? I suppose this makes sense... Uh, or it doesn't make sense to people because to everybody else, if they juggle, juggle is something I've never been able to do my whole life. And a few months ago when I was working with a client and uh, we got him throwing a, a tennis ball from hand to hand in his periphery to try and engage his brain with his eyes, you know, in that part of the peripheral field. And, uh, and I started doing it as well and I realized that I could do it and it, it was something I could I'd never been able to do before and I've taught sports for the last 15 years so I've always you know been playing with tennis balls and soccer balls and rugby balls so I know that I'm used to not seeing it in my periphery Mm -hmm. so the last couple of months I've been thinking about that and then after the course where we were learning so much more about making the eye exercise dynamic and really integrate the brain and and the whole body into the eye exercises I thought well I'm going to teach myself to juggle but I'm going to do it with my central vision blocked so I can only see in the periphery. Wow, okay. So that's why I will be juggling in the periphery because that's the only thing that I can really see. Wow. And, uh, and <laughs> if, if anybody wants an example of determination, just, wow. just watch a video of me spending uh, half an hour throwing a ball up and dropping it on the floor <laughs> and, then, and then picking the ball back up again, throw it to the other hand, drop it on the floor, pick it back up again. Certainly, uh, you certainly have to have a good sense of humor uh, for, for this one. But I did notice that as, as the past few days have gone, that I've, I've started improving throwing the ball hand to hand. And now I can, I, I mean, I sort of took it a step back. I realized that I was a little bit ambitious going from, uh, <laughs> from not actually being able to juggle in the first place to then being able to juggle in my periphery. Right. And I managed, I sort of uh, cut it down to just throwing the ball from one hand to the other. Mm-hmm. And as my confidence builds, I'm going to sort of build it up and and see hopefully that the end product is going to be me juggling using only my periphery 
So wow. uh, that and also, you know, I'm training myself for the circus in case this vision improvement thing doesn't work out. So Good, uh, good idea, good idea. <laughs> and the, the announcer would be, and today is going to be William Fuller juggling in his periphery. <laughs> <laughs> I would I attend. Think, I'm not sure anyone else would get it. But. <laughs> yeah, I think we might have to stick some fire and some lines in there if anyone's going to be overly impressed. Well, I think you, maybe you should start juggling fire in your periphery. I think it would give you more motivation. Well, and the brightness might actually be really good for you. Rod, so yeah, it's certainly looking to some insurance <laughs> first on that yeah, one. Yeah, but uh, but the only other observation that I really noticed this week, and uh, sort of ties in with our with our topic of the week, is uh, is I went running to catch the bus to head over to yours last week to do some recording, mm-hmm. and I tried a different bus stop because um, we found that there's a quicker route after a year of me traveling right. to your house. It's amazing how that works. And uh, and it was what was it? it was not not too long ago, and uh, there was this one big hill that I have to get over in order to get up to reach this bus. Mm-hmm. Well, San Francisco, there's plenty of hills, mm-hmm. and we have this thing here which is uh, which is called next next bus, which tells you when the bus is coming, so I can time when I need to get to the bus stop. Of course, these things aren't overly uh, accurate, and I always end up having to run to get to the bus. Mm-hmm. So the last couple of minutes, I realized I was going to miss the bus, so I had to sprint and try and get up this hill, and we've been pretty busy, so my exercise regime hasn't been fantastic (laughs) over these last few weeks. Um, So I hit this big hill, and just as I got to the top of the hill, of course, I saw the bus drive off into the distance, and I'd missed my bus, and I looked at the timer, and it said, next bus is another 10 minutes. So I was obviously cursing this bus and everything that had... uh, happened before it that meant that I missed it by about 30 seconds. But then as I got to the bus stop, as it was on top of a hill, I realized I could look out over Ocean Beach, the ocean here in San Francisco. And all of a sudden, I just sort of had a a sense of gratitude that um, somebody had actually given me the opportunity just to look into the distance for 10 minutes and enjoy my eye exercises before uh, before heading on with my day. Mm-hmm. So uh, I certainly learned from that to sort of appreciate those uh, those little ten minutes or five minutes that you can get in your day, and try and work them towards your eye exercises as much as possible. And I did. Uh, I took a picture of uh, the view from the top of the hill uh, next to the bus stop, and uh, I'll stick that up on our Facebook fan page for people to check out. You'll be able to see how lucky we are here. With nice. that beautiful distance, but uh, I thought it was it was it was a really interesting observation because it's something we talk about a lot. But um, you know, it's it's funny how you find you catch yourself not necessarily doing it all the time in your own practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you just reminded me that uh, one of the reasons I bought that well, it isn't one of the reasons I bought this house that I recently bought. But one of the things that makes me excited about moving there is uh, a view into the distance, half block away. So, how many people? Uh, think about distance viewing when they're purchasing a house, but uh, that's taking <laughs> well, maybe eye exercises to an extreme. But well, hopefully by the time we finish, everyone will be considering that. But <laughs> everyone will be living on heels. Yeah, but uh, but maybe then, if in the future, where if everything floods, then uh, then all the people that are going to survive will be vision improvement enthusiasts. There you go. It's the survival <laughs> of the fittest that way. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I think that's about a good time to move on to topic of the week. And the topic of the week this week is fitting your eye exercises into your daily life. 
Uh, and we've already started talking about that. And you reminded me, too, that on this trip to my family reunion, uh, I did spend, so I was waiting for my brother to come out of the motel on to begin our trip, and I saw the sun across the street, and so I crossed the street with my suitcase and spent the 10 minutes uh, waiting for my brother to get ready, uh, sunning. So I fit in that 10 minutes of sunning right in that spot in a similar way you and were doing. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just such an important thing for people to realize that this is how they can do the exercises because time and time again, as we, as we all well know, those that have been listening to these podcasts and have been doing the eye exercises yourselves, the prime excuse and the biggest barrier is, you know, I just I don't have time to sit and do these eye exercises. Right. You, you do have to find those moments, those little moments uh, where you can fit in your eye exercises. And they, I mean, it, it just makes it so much more achievable and it makes us realize that it doesn't have to be, if you think of the eye exercise as an inconvenience, right. I mean, you're never going to do it. Right. Because um, you know why? This the same as healthy eating. If you're somebody that thinks uh, lettuce and salad is disgusting, right. <laughs> then you know why, why would you, it just makes no sense why you'd want to eat it. Right. So no, if I, you're somebody that yeah. sees the eye exercises as a burden in life, and it's something you just want to do to get get it over and done with and right. you know just if i can just do these for six more months then my vision will improve and i never have to do them again mm-hmm. you know it's just you're setting yourself up for a fail really yeah and so in in my case i saw the sun across the street and went kind of went, ooh, that looks nice i could go over there and sun that would be enjoyable uh and in your case with the the distance looking you probably went oh i i have time here and this will be enjoyable for me to sit there and and look at the distance. I mean, Not, it, it, yeah. even, it even changed my whole mood set because I was so uh, annoyed that I'd missed this bus and I'd gone running up the hill and I was hot and sweaty and, uh, and I, you know, frustrated that I was going to be late and all the rest of it. And then, I, and then you know, I just, just, you know, I was happy that, in fact, I'd just been given the time to do some distance looking. Yeah, yeah. No, and I had a similar thing. I was like, oh, my brother's... Why can't he get it together? We, we got to get going. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, there's a patch of sun over there. This yeah. is good. This is good. <laughs> and, then, and then I was frustrated that the bus did turn up. It, it turned up earlier. It turned up oh, in no. about six, seven minutes. I thought, mm, maybe I should wait and catch the next bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is an option if you're doing this kind of thing, too. So, so. but it's certainly, I know we use, you know, these examples. If, if you take a look at your day, it's amazing how many of these sort of time-wasting moments you could say, um, where you could fit these eye exercises in instead of just, you know, wasting time or being idle. Right. And then another example would be the way we do palming often, which is while we're going to sleep. So there is that, well, for me, it takes a little while to go get to sleep. So there's that, those 10, 20 minutes when I'm trying to get to sleep where you just put in palming and you basically do two things and it actually calms you down anyway. Yeah, which is which is what I did uh, last night. So I wanted to, but I, you know, I, I wanted to palm, but I wanted to read at the same time because I'm trying to work my way through this uh, nutrition book to see if I can uh, help investigate it a little bit more with with our eyes and see if it can help improve our eyesight a bit more. So you know, that was my um, what would you call it? That was my focus at that point in time. That was what was most important to me was reading that book. But, you know, I, I was still, um, my brain was still ticking away about the book. So I knew I could spend 20 minutes palming and help myself wind down a little bit in order to get to sleep. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing for, 
if you're one of those people who uh, has trouble getting up in the morning, that's another reason to do palming first thing in the morning. It sort of gives you a transition period to jumping out of bed. And there, there is another way, which is to try and uh, organize yourself a little bit more. Say, for example, that book, you know, I said I wanted to palm, but I wanted to get the information from the book. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ideally, I could have got hold of a copy of the book as a PDF file or, mm-hmm. or try and find it as an audio book instead. And then I can do both at the same time instead of uh, And it, I mean, it just takes a bit of pre-planning, right? Right. You just get your mindset into that way of uh, working the eye exercises in and you start coming up with these ideas pretty easily. So, But I think a lot of our listeners would be surprised if, if maybe just for this week they spent a few days or seven days, they don't even have to do the eye exercises, but see if they can just highlight a time mm-hmm. in their day, say whether they're on the bus, uh, whether they're having their morning coffee, you know, whether they're um, at work and they're waiting for a colleague to turn up. Maybe you're in a in a board meeting that is really boring. Right. Um, you know, see if you, you don't have to do it, but just start thinking, you know, could I, are these guys actually serious here? Could I actually start working these exercises periodically throughout the day instead of it being one block burden so I'm never going to do them? Right. And uh, it'd be really interesting to to see certainly for yourself, but also to let us know as well, whether you're finding those spots of time throughout the day. Great. I think we've uh, basically covered that topic pretty thoroughly. So um, go ahead and experiment for yourselves and give us some feedback on Facebook or uh, email us. We'd love to hear from you. And the question of this week comes as the form of an email from India and it says, Dear Sir, could you help with methods on how to get rid of floaters or eye floaters? Though it's thought to be harmless, it seems very disturbing. Please suggest any possible method of exercising for this purpose. Thanks and kind regards. So this is something that a lot of people experience and certainly as people get older, they will start to notice more and more of these floaters. Yeah, and the the thing we have to say at first off is you do need to go to an ophthalmologist to make sure the floaters aren't a, a sign of something wrong happening, like a retinal detachment or some something serious. So we want people to know why they're why they're having floaters or if there is a reason they need to address. So first, yeah, and and to not freak everybody out that if you have a float, you need to go rushing to your right. ophthalmologist. Um, you know, what one or two is is okay. It's you know if you wake up in the morning and all of a sudden you have you know a, a vast amount of floaters all of a sudden or say right. you get hit by a ball in the eye or or something like that but certainly you want to be looking at regular checkups anyway um on your eyes because you know it's really helping to detect a lot more uh, future conditions now with the with the ophthalmologists and also it's good to get as much information about your condition so it helps you that much more in doing your eye exercises but certainly, if you do uh, notice floaters, I'm sure you've you've discussed them with your eye doctor anyway. But certainly, make sure you go and get them checked out, just mm-hmm. for safety reasons. Right, right. So, but with the actual answering of the question, it's sort of a pretty uh, simple but frustrating uh, answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds really simple, but it's sometimes hard to actually uh, pull off. So, so what we, what we recommend for the floaters is that you pick one. 
And this is probably easier easier if you sort of block one eye first. You can do both eyes open if you wish. And you just choose one floater, probably the biggest one that you have. And then you need to just chase it around yeah, the eye. Yeah. yeah, just think of it as a big video game you're playing. <laughs> what's that? What's that? Is it Space Invaders? Yeah, I don't know what are you old it. enough for that? Space, yeah, Space okay. Invaders, yeah. Yeah, so it could be Space Invaders with your floaters, yeah. So, but what you're doing is as you go to look at the floater, it, it moves off to the side as the fluid moves. And what you want to try and do is keep with that one floater for, say, 10 minutes and just keep chasing it for about 10 minutes. And you're going to want to do that probably around three or four times a day if you really want to break this guy down. And you'll notice that what will happen is the floaters will start to break down and then you move to the, the other floaters as you go along. And people uh, sometimes even name their floaters, you know, start with the big one and give it a name, just sort of like, uh... <laughs> yeah, I always go for, I always go for typical, uh, typical basic names like Tom and, uh, and Michael. I, th I think I had a Chuck there at one point from, <laughs> from being in America. Yeah. That's a popular name. But, um, so why, so, I mean, so why is this working well? What, what's the actual process that people are, uh, are going through the idea is that it was uh, Dr. Mir Schneider that, that discovered this, and he had a client called Tony who's in the Yoga for Your Eyes DVD. And Tony first came to Mir because he he had such a large amount of floaters coming in, not because of retinal detachment or, or anything like that, just because he was developing these floaters, and it meant that he couldn't drive anymore. So with Mir, they started uh, they discovered that if he chased each floater for you know a couple of weeks, a month, then that floater started to break down because what's happening is that the fluid inside the eye where these floaters actually are, it's colliding with the debris, which is what the floater is, and it's helping to break that floater down that little bit more into smaller and smaller pieces. And what happened with this client is after about six months, he was able to drive again and he was able to reduce the amount of his floaters down quite significantly. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, and you can sort of see why these can come on in later in life, too, and not be connected with any pathology. Uh, that as we age, the um, uh, vitreous humor, the fluid in that part of the eye, uh, the back chamber of the eye, um, becomes less um, even, let's say. Uh, and then there are things like vitriol detachments, little more minor things uh, that create debris from the retina as well. So uh, it is somewhat a part of aging as well as being a symptom of pathology. But this, the symptoms of pathology are more extreme and more acute. They happen quickly. Yeah, yeah I know when I asked about my floaters, because I have quite a few and I've certainly seen them come on more and more, um, that it's it's to do, they said it was pathological and it was sort of to do with the condition so mm. it's certainly right to differentiate between the two there but for some people um it's probably part of aging and they probably just notice one or two right and for others you're going to notice it that much more so you're sort of uh for some of us we might only have to chase one floater for a couple of months and for others it could be a lengthier process so uh yeah. Try not to get too frustrated and uh, befriend your floaters instead of hating them. Yeah, and you're just mixing up your richest humor to, to sort of break them down. It's a pretty simple concept. 
Excellent. So we hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you enjoyed what you hear, you can download your free ebook called A Modern Day Life for Improving Eyesight from our website at envisionselfhealing.com. And that goes through a lot more of these basic principles on how the eye works and how indeed the eye exercises can help them. And we also talk a little bit on how our lifestyle does affect our vision and indeed could be a big part of the culprit why our vision isn't as good as it could be. You could also check out our Facebook fan page where there's plenty of pictures there on how we're getting on with our own vision and also lots of communication there from people working on their own eyesight and asking questions on how they can take their practice that little bit step further. We're also going to put up some pictures there. I'll certainly put up that one of me distance looking out at the bus stop earlier on. And we can also update you guys through our Twitter accounts that both Richard and I have. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, then certainly subscribe to us and you will get each episode sent straight to your doorstep. It would be a little bit weird if it was actually on your doorstep, but it's a figure <laughs> of phrase and it would be on your, on your computer doorstep instead. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, then subscribe to our channel. And we're also means that you'll be able to get access to each video every time Richard and I send our blogs out. And we do have plenty of blogs on our website that cover a lot of basic but common subjects that people always want to ask on our website at envisionselfhealing.com. And uh, you certainly find a lot more information there to help answer any questions you might have that might be preventing you from wanting to improve your eyesight and taking it that step further. So good luck with your eye exercises this week and happy healing. And have a good week.